brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Spending some time reconnecting with nature this summer? Here's a camping hack from L.L. Bean to make your next trip the best yet. Tired of your tentmate's flashlights shining in your eyes in camp? Bring an empty half-gallon milk jug or clear water bottle. Simply strap a headlamp around it, and it becomes a soft white lantern for everyone to see the light. For more camping hacks, visit youtube.com slash L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. What is up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast Extra Fight Game Media Network. And happy Saturday. Happy Money in the Bank Day. Money in the Bank, uh, depending on when you are listening to this, either is going to start sometime in the very near future or maybe it's already happened. But very excited for Money in the Bank uh, with this show, I have two special guests. I wanted to talk to somebody about the new AEW game, Fight Forever. It's uh, a decent hit, I think, based on our conversations going on in the Discord about it. I have played it a little bit, and I would say, based on my expectation, it's pretty solid, and you'll hear, hear me talk about it here uh, in the last segment, or the second segment on the show, there's only two segments, uh, the person who I decided to reach out to and discuss it with is former MMA journalist. Uh, you may have read his work years ago in, in the likes of Bleacher Report and such, is uh, Jeremy Botter. Jeremy Botter had the game a little early, and he had reached out to me about it and asked my thoughts, and I was like, oh, you have it. And he had it for longer than uh, I think most of us. So uh, he and I chatted in the second segment about the game, uh, a little bit about kind of the history of wrestling games and really the current way that these wrestling games make money, uh, which a lot of it is based on the replayability. So we talk about that. Uh, And then in the first segment, my good buddy Larry Caution, who has been on stuff with me before going way back in the early days of the fight game podcast and uh i don't know if he has been yeah he has been on the uh, the fight game podcast extra he was uh, helped me preview uh one of the uh, one of the wwe shows a, a couple months back so he and i talked about a topic that he he had an interesting take on now 
you watched Forbidden Door, if you watched Dynamite. Uh, sometimes when you watch AEW Wrestling, there's a little bit of a worry about the <laughs> health of the performer. If you're a fan of said performer, and if you're just a, a humane person, you know, you see someone get hurt, you kind of wonder, like, oh, I wonder if that was, uh, you know, if they're really hurt or there's good selling. And the one for me was Sting on Dynamite when he leapt from the ladder onto Sammy Guevara and he cut his lip or messed up his tooth or something. And if you watch it, you'll see Sammy Guevara flinch at the last second, which raises his knees right into the face of Sting. And I I don't even I don't blame Sammy Guevara at all because you know, if you had Sting, who's a giant human, jumping off of a ladder on top of you, and Sting isn't normally one to do these kind of moves, I would probably flinch too, especially after Forbidden Door when you do your your uh, dive off the top and Sting is supposed to move out of the way, at least we believe, and he gets up kind of late and you stick him, boom. Uh, both guys didn't seem to fare very well off of that. Uh, and so, you know, that that bump for me kind of those both of those bumps kind of, you know, made me think, wow, like it's a little di- like I feel a little uneasy watching the show. So Larry had the idea to post in our discord about, you know, the reasons why these guys are are doing so much more than wrestlers when we were when I was younger. And his point was more about the critics and about the fan base and just the expectations of the fan base. And obviously, pro wrestling is all about getting your audience to appreciate and to buy tickets and to watch and to applaud. Uh, I think there's some merit to it. So that's the conversation that we had in the first segment. Larry and I talking about the fans and and the sort of being complicit in... uh, you know, some of the danger in, in pro wrestling today, especially with uh, with AEW. So I uh, hope you enjoy the show. Hope you enjoyed Money in the Bank if you did decide to watch. And uh, have a great holiday weekend if you are in the U.S. And uh, hopefully you get to spend some time with some people you enjoy. That is uh, the intro here. So let's first listen to my conversation with Larry caution want to welcome larry caution to fight game podcast extra larry you kind of ignited a little bit of a fire in in the discord the other day and <laughs> you were ahead of the game because now specifically what you said is related to the lead story in in the wrestling observer newsletter uh but not exactly the way that you stated it and it's it's the idea that the star ratings, the the match ratings, the reviews of specific matches have an impact on driving the performers to try and outdo what was done before, and sometimes to a dangerous degree. Now, I think we all understand that you know the the idea of topping the the last thing some of that includes some dangerous spots sure. but i'd never really heard it from the perspective of well the fans and the uh the reviewers or the critiquers or whatever you want to call people uh who talk about this stuff are are, are implicit in this and you didn't blame everybody but you said this kind of uh culture around 
the star ratings is, is a part of it. So I wanted to give you a chance to uh, explain that. And, and I thought it would be a great conversation for a podcast. So here we are. Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me on. Uh, again, uh, as I stated in Discord, I'm not trying to uh, blame or, you know, call out one particular person like Dave Meltzer, who we both have a great respect for, who does a great job giving his opinion in his newsletter on what his ratings are for specific matches that he watches. And that's well and fine. But if, you know, I started reading The Observer in 1991. So that a lot of our back history or knowledge oh, yeah. a lot of, comes from that. So I yeah. have a great, great respect for that. What I'm saying is The Observer has been having match ratings for many, many years. And it hasn't really, to me, it started off, I was talking about the five-star scale. Mm -hmm. And the re reason why I like five stars is because once you reach the five, it should be enough to me. That's that's saying this was a maximum enjoyment. We've reached it. Once you start going above and beyond, what what is some of the elements that should be included in a match that deserves to go above and beyond? And, and what I've been saying a lot is some of these more dangerous elements that really say, okay, we did it this time the first time. Now let's take it a step further to see if we can get that extra star. And again, I'm friends with a lot of people in the business. I work in the hotel business. So a lot of these guys come through the hotels over the oh, yeah. years and I'm in security. So of course they, they talk to me, you know, so I've built relationships with different people and we've had these discussions before. I'm going to take you back. I think 2017, uh, Shibata, right? Yes. This is timely. This is timely because he just, he just wrestled. Just wrestled. Yep. I remember it because it was right around WrestleMania season when this happened because I was around a lot of the guys and this was a big talking point. Yeah. And we were talking about how that week was going to be a lot of matches all over the place. You know, WrestleMania weekend, everyone was going to be having big time matches all weekend. Some people working two, three, four matches that weekend and all trying to put on these five star classics. And a lot of the critics would be in town, would mm -hmm. be trying to seek out those shows, would be trying to go and get their, their self some shine. And I get it. Those young guys, you want to put on your best foot forward. You're trying to get over, trying to make a name for yourself. But also back in Japan, there was a match between Okada and Shibata. And it was fantastic. You know, all of that. But we know about the spot that yeah. happened that could have basically ended Shibata's career period. And in many ways it has. Mm -hmm. And that match was rated five stars in, in Observer. You know what I mean? And even though he did an excellent, Dave did an excellent write-up explaining how dangerous it was and how this could have long-term effects, he still was given five stars. And that, to me, those are the matches where it didn't need that particular spot, one. But without that spot, would it have still been a tremendous match? Yes. But what put it over the top? Did it dock you points for having that spot in it? Are there other spots that just didn't end up having ending in an injury that could have very well been a very catastrophic had it gone just one inch to the left or the right that we see all the time that we kind of like it adds to the lore of a match and it increases the star rating and it gets guys over to the point where you're feeling like they're better because they took these great chances. And I think that can be dangerous. I really do. And, and we've seen multiple examples of, yeah, guys getting hurt off something simple, but 
the, the some guys are trying things that their body just isn't prepared to take. They're t- trying moves. How many times have we seen Biggie do that dive through the ropes with that tackle that it could have ended badly so many times, but the one time it did end badly was overhead belly-to-belly suplex on the floor where he broke his neck and he's still not back to this day. Yeah. So who's to say that it wasn't a, a compound of injuries over time and it took that one move to just send him over the top? So, again, that's where I'm coming from. And do we rate matches higher because of the risk or the story? Now, I know there's a big debate out there about what's more important to being a great match, a story. I I, I had a I heard you and, and your co-host on uh, – um what's happening pal um what is we're it? live pal we're live pal. i was just gonna ask you about this so but go ahead yeah i heard you and andrew talking the other day and i i did remember that in the back of my mind and he brought up brought up uh five star matches for him and he rated two matches very different for yeah very different reasons hogan rock mm-hmm. rated that just the same as he rated osprey and Omega, yeah, or, or another high, and I, I think that is that is very well crafted argument because what constitutes an excellent match, and that's why I look at like there can be other things done that will in, get the same emotion out of you if there's a connection there that can still put on a great performance without these guys going out there putting their bodies at an extreme risk. Again, if you're extremely talented, young, can bounce back from all that stuff. Do your thing. Get over. Go have fun. But some of these guys, man, you just got to be smarter. That's my opinion. So it's it's a great discussion, I think. Uh, the And I just got finished, as of this recording, I just got finished doing Wrestling Observer Radio. And we, we kind of talked a little bit about this. And Dave mentioned that the way that people react to the dangerous stuff now is almost like, Eh, look it up. We've seen it happen time and time again. And and he was specifically talking about Darby. Everyone talks about the sting splash on Sammy Guevara where he came up a little short. But Darby was doing nutty things throughout that whole match, too. And nobody's talking about Darby because it's been become so commonplace for guys like Sammy mm-hmm. and and Darby. Uh, you know, Janella when when he was doing crazy, crazy stuff, stuff. And, mm-hmm. uh, and you know that, and it just becomes so commonplace where it's not even really special anymore. So the fans' reaction is a bit numb, rather than like, oh my god, which is why you do that stuff, right? Is to get that oh my god reaction, which is kind of what you're saying. But um, I guess the 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 hard part that I was trying to figure out, and a thing that I was trying to comprehend is, and and you say, you know, you know some people in the business, the critic in in Dave Meltzer, the business reporter, his rating, you believe, means so much that people will go above and beyond because of how the fans or the fans. Um, trust in his rating, how big of a, of a trust and faith factor it is that the performers will actually look at that as like, not just opinion, but almost like fact. It's the scale. It's the scale. It determined. And again, you can look back throughout history and this can be the evolution of where we are with the business. Back when we started off, nobody really cared. I mean, I'm sure there were some guys inside, but the business is so based on the internet now. And a lot of the guys who grew up reading and following this stuff closely are now in the business. 
They weren't of age. Some of those guys in the 90s, yeah, they read it for the business and stuff to find out what was going on. But they didn't Austin, think- Austin's like the, the famous one, right? He wanted sure. to know what the houses were because he didn't trust WWE sometimes and what they were going to tell him. Sure. And then when you got into the Attitude Era, it got more and more prone. And, that, and, 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 and you know, we've got stories of Mick Foley and Owen Hart out there trying to work it and plan the worst match possible and all this other stuff. So In San Jose. <laughs> exactly. They knew what they were doing. So it's not like they they just became smart people. People have been smart for a while. But what I'm saying is the, the proliferation of it and the glorification of it is not just about the fans who are just at home. It's about the guys in the business. And then you have performers who who, who have ingratiated themselves into the culture of you know, the, the wrestling observer board and the different discourse online and things of that nature, the Twitter space, it takes over and it becomes a pressure where if you if you go out there and bust your ass, have a great match, and it comes, maybe it's four and a half stars, you know what I mean? Maybe it's four-star match. That used to be tremendous. But now it's like, eh, we see a four-star match all the time. What's four and a half stars? You know what I mean? Brian Danielson and Okada just went out there the other night. Probably uh, on a, any other pay-per-view, any other night, maybe probably been the best match on the show. Yeah. Pro, hell of a performance. I looked at it. I was tired. You know, I was wore out from the Will Ospreay, uh, yeah. Kenny Omega match. You had to it, follow that. It didn't register. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure it was a great match. It was a great match. And that makes me feel bad. Well, I'm like, golly, am I worried about star ratings? And then I read, and I'm like, why are we talking about this? Like, <laughs> did, you, did you enjoy it? Did you have fun? You know what I mean? I'm like, what happened to this business? And again, I'm not trying to sound like the begrudging old man. I'm only <laughs> 43 years old. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> look, at some point, we have to hold ourselves accountable for how we are putting so much. And I get it. They're doing it for our entertainment. Yeah, and yeah, as long yeah. as we're entertained, it should be enough. But these guys are busting their ass, doing all kinds of crazy spots. I remember a few weeks ago, Sammy Guevara, and, and I think it was, uh, it might have been Darby or it might have been Jungle Boy. Somebody, they just went out there, boom, 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 right off the break from the, the opening bell. Big move, big move. Started throwing all types of sliced breads and stuff off to the floor, just killing themselves. And the crowd sitting there like, <laughs> like, like, we're so numb to it now. And it's like, bruh. And then that gets what? You know what I mean? Like I, this, you're looking at, well, that was three stars. Well, that was, four. I'm like, man, what has happened to this business? Again, I'm not trying to sound like grumpy old man. I'm just saying another aspect that I think is very, very important. And, and, and I think, I don't know what, what, what elements are we looking for, for something to be above five stars? You know, the length of the match, is it the drama? Is it the crowd heat? Or is it this, just taking these over-the-top moves that sh- used to be reserved for a big spot, maybe maybe a finish, but now they near falls. Is it a not enough near falls on the match? I listened to Dave talk the other day, and I'm not picking on Dave. I just listened to him. He said, well, they didn't even really have any 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 false finishes in the match. And I'm like, yeah, well, okay, maybe the match, the move was so devastating, maybe that was enough. I'm like, what constitutes a great match? Is it like... It's, it's all taste to me, but if we keep raising this bar high and high, we saw this with ECW. I used to go to ECW. I'm like, man, these guys. One day, somebody just pull out a gun. Like at this point, because it's just so barbaric. And CZW 
took it to another level. Like they just wanted to be extra crazy. You know what I mean? So I'm like, when do when do, do we look at ourselves as the consumer and be like, hey guys, we had I, I love what we did with the head of chair shots to the head. Everybody is like, no, that's a no no. That's a lot. We've we've seen the effects of that. And I want to get into another aspect of that, and that's with the drug use. But at some point. These guys are doing so much damage to their body. They're going to turn to the drugs for the numbing. numbing. It, it just it just happens. You know that, what I mean? That's my worry. And I was kind of wondering about the culture because now there are still some, you know, some guys who are a little bit more old, old school, but it, it is mostly a new uh, culture for, for pro wrestling, you know, the undertaker scene and, and those guys from the attitude era, but also, the attitude era, like the biggest for, for our lives, the, the biggest uh, when wrestling was the most popular, there were good matches, but that's not why the attitude era became the attitude no. era. When, what would you point to as why the culture changed to what it is now? At least, you know, and, and I'm not saying only AEW, WWE's no. work no, rate is so mm. much higher than it's ever been to me. But when, when did the culture change, and what do you think were, were some of the reasons for the culture changing? Well, I, I mean, I was kind of there at the beginning with Ring of Honor. You know what I mean? I went to some of the Ring of Honor's first shows. I like, I loved it. Don't get me wrong. Those matches, looking back, took years off people's lives. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, they were, like, athletically just hitting so hard. And that's all influenced by the Japanese style, all mm-hmm. influenced by things they saw from the 90s, you know, that wasn't readily available unless you were a tape trader and things of that nature. But once the internet started taking over, I mean, came onto the scene and you could easily go online and start watching these things and finding old videos of uh, Misawa and all these things from the 90s and all Japan and all, and it just in, the influenced those, that type of strong style, that stiff Oh, it looks like it hurt because it really does. You know what I mean? <laughs> it took over. And then you had everything coming in with your PWG and your Ring of Honor and even your Impact had some high impact matches, but your TNA, I mean. But really, Ring of Honor and then those, some of those independent companies started. Those people became the norm. Remember, it, like you say, WWF was the only big time show for years because they killed WCW. But Ring of Honor and some of these companies started coming. That's when all those guys started taking over, and you wanted a more fast paced, up tempo, hard hitting, more athletic style with smaller guys who could take that a little bit more. And they didn't have to rely on the drugs. We learned a lot from Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, and things of that nature. That the business did change for the better. But my thing is, the schedule's different today, which might help people recuperate some, but not all together. I just watched the Chris Candino special on Dark Side, yeah. and I saw Lance Storm say some good comments, and he said about him taking that power bomb off the top rope all the time, and now you. Lance got health problems. You know what I mean? Like that stuff catches up with you eventually. I don't care how safe a worker you are, but Candino was clean all the way through until he got that injury and then he became hooked. You know what I mean? So I don't care. Like, like we, we, John Moxley was drinking very heavily until he had to go to rehab. Mm -hmm. I'm sure the drinking contributed to was numbing some pains he had. Like that's part of the culture of wrestling. I don't care. It might not be the drugs like it used to be, but numbing agents and turning to things to mask some of these injuries is going to happen when you take a high 
intensity moves over and over and wrestling such a high pace. So I, I just look at it like I'm, I'm not blaming all of that on the star rings. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying our expectation and the pressure sometimes we put on matches on a regular dynamite or regular smackdown or like some of that stuff should be saved for the pay-per-views but now if collision isn't a a show or dynamite isn't an a show to pop the best rating with the most high intense matches we all oh, that was disappointing but guys man what happened <laughs> like like come on like uh, come on nfl sunday ticket is now on youtube and youtube tv which means that it just got easier to be an nfl fan even if you live far away like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So when the time period that I'm talking about, again, the Attitude Era, when it was most popular, guys like Austin, guys like The Rock, guys like Foley, they were way more concerned about the house, Mm -hmm. the TV rating of their segment, and the business side of things versus, I'm sure they, they wanted their matches to be good. Like Austin is a perfectionist for some of that kind of stuff too, but... They weren't necessarily looking for most dynamic high spot necessarily. They were looking for, okay, we want to peak the match here and this is the idea. And if we do it right, it's going to work. And then we go home and we get the reaction that we want. Like that's more, it seems like from just my understanding and research and listening of of the storytelling that that's what they were concerned about. So again, you know, I know ROH and, and New Japan are are very influential in the current style. There's Lucha Libre as well. The True. the indie style seems to be kind of the prevalent AEW style. And John LaRock and I have had this discussion a few different times, which is the indie style, you know, you're coming in once a month, if that. And you're if you're not the hometown guy, you're the star from, you know, whatever. Uh, you're, you're, you're doing a specific match and you're just trying to get through it and get your payday and go home. But there are some people who are the daredevil types and who want to do the spots to, to pop this small audience. Uh, it, it's not necessarily great for a TV show, the way that they work some of those matches, but it is what a lot of the fan base of AEW is sort of built upon. And I wonder how much of that is, is the reason why we see the current style because sometimes when I watch the AEW matches, I go, this doesn't really make sense. And the spot that they're doing to get that giant crowd reaction, it's it's not really getting that crowd reaction. And I always go back to Triple H saying, chasing the dragon. Like he always uses that drug reference to, mm. you know, the, the getting the, you know, you, you want whatever the crowd gives you, you want it 
all the time and then you want it more. And so I think that's kind of to your point a little bit, but I just, I just wonder when did the indie style like become the prevalent style? Because a lot of times when I watch the matches, I don't think that they're necessarily the greatest TV matches, but if I was, you know, in the crowd, I would probably pop for a lot of the same things that they're popping for. Well, like, like, like I agree with what you're saying. Um, I think it's more so, um, during the nineties and even into the two thousands, especially in WWF, um, they had to work what five, sometimes six nights. You know what I mean? Like they weren't just working once on or twice a week. They weren't just working weekends. So not only did they had to perform on the TV nights, but they had to go work house shows and they might do a loop. They might do sometimes if we go back even further, you couldn't worry about how many you know, stars or how rated your match was going to get. First of all, it wasn't going to be televised. So you were only working for that specific crowd. You could work the same match over and over. But with AEW and today's, the way TV's done today, Young Bucks, how many matches the Young Bucks wrestle in a month? Maybe two. Yeah, if, not if very that, many. If that, you know, so those two opportunities, they go out there, they want to get everything they can in. They're going to, there is a Young Bucks style of match. We know it. There mm-hmm. are certain spots they're going to put in there in every match. But those matches get rated high regardless. You know what I mean? Like, Nick is going to do his spots. Matt's going to do his spots. They're going to work them anyway. It's the same thing with a WWE style to me. But they might, you know, sell a little differently one match opposed to another. But those matches will get highly rated because those spots are popular. And they hit the house. They hit the, they hit the ones you want to see. But because they wrestle so so few times, they can save their bodies for those big spots. You can't wrestle, wrestle that style. Uh, what if it's fifty two weeks a year? You you're not wrestling once a week. You yeah. know what I mean? They're not doing house shows. So again, I think Ring of Honor, the way they did their taping schedule, I used to go a lot of those tapings. They didn't wrestle every night. They might wrestle for some independent ancillary work, but like you say, Samoa Joe's. CM Punk's, AJ Styles, all those guys, once they started moving up the ranks and started going out here, that style became the norm. And it it was also their calling card because neither of those guys are six foot five with super physiques. So that's their calling card, which is to put on this match that you don't normally see anywhere else. Athletic based. And again, my criticism isn't towards people whose body is fit for certain things. All right. I don't care who you are, what size you are. You're not supposed to be getting dropped on your head and neck. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are. But those, the athletic style, you can do all the like, – another thing, like I think there was a, a um, NXT match. I didn't watch it, but it was a, a, a point of discussion the other day about why this particular wrestler should have picked WWE – I mean, AEW over NXT. Is it the Dragon League conversation? Dragon League conversation. And saying, well, he could have shown everything he could do in AEW, whereas the NXT is a tamed down version. Very true. But there's a reason for that if you really look at it. Now, you can get injured doing both. But is Ricochet wrestling the same style we saw him wrestle before he came to WWE? No. Can Ricochet still be spectacular when he needs to be? In the big matches on pay-per-view, if you wanted to turn it up, yes. But you cannot expect someone to wrestle that particular style if they're on house shows, if they're doing SmackDown, then go do a pay-per-view. 
you have to, especially since he's getting older. You got to remember, Ricochet was doing this 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So as you get older, you should adapt your style to go so you can now take that same performer, Ricochet, and his shelf life is extended because he's not going out there doing the same sprint that he was doing when he was in Lucha Underground. So that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think sometimes we're judging people off of this box. We put them in in our mind, like a Keith Lee, who Keith Lee used to do these big moves, huge moves when I watched him in Ring of Honor. And he was impressive because he was the big fat guy who could do them big athletic moves. You know what I mean? And it got him over. It got him a name for himself. Is Keith Lee going to be able to still do those moves if he's not staying in good shape and doing the things he should do in AEW? No, he's not. That's why you don't see Keith Lee mm. jumping over the top like he used to. Kind of, and if he did, he might break up. his back. Yeah, you know what no. I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I get it. I, I understand your point. And, you know, I think about this, and I was thinking about this watching Forbidden Door, because before the Danielson Okada match happened, you know, the, the crew at, at Big Dave's house, which, by the way, was the biggest crowd I've ever seen at Dave's house mm. watching wrestling. I said, you know, I really hope he does not tease a head injury because uh, I will buy it because I watch his matches and I cannot stop thinking about the fact that he's been injured and had to retire and had seizures and all these things. And so I'm watching this match and just thinking like, man, how, you know, how complicit am I in this guy's, you know, style and, 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 uh, his resume uh, of this stuff because he is brilliant, but at the same time, he's one of the most in- guys who's gotten injured the most seriously in wrestling without being, you know, having to f- be forced to stop wrestling completely. Nowadays, you know, staying edge, these guys mess up their necks, and previously they would not get cleared, and now somehow they get cleared. Now, I know technology. You know, changes and advances and things that, you know, they didn't have a lot of information on 15 years ago. Now they do. So I get that part. But, you know, I'm watching this Danielson match and then he fakes the seizure. And that I don't even know this guy has a broken arm and he spends the last 10 minutes of this match working with a broken arm. And going back to what you said, how complicit are we in that we just saw Cody Rhodes work? with a torn peck and and it was the most brilliant storytelling I think I saw all year, but it was actually real. Right. Mm -hmm. And we commended this guy for doing it. He was, you know, toughing it out and this and that. And so, you know, now you have Brian Danielson toughing it out with a broken arm for 10 minutes, just so they could get to the finish that they wanted to get to. I, I mean, I agree with you. I agree with you 120. percent That's that was the basis of what I'm talking about. We are rating these matches, and we are giving them extra points for being dangerous. Like I, I, I don't know. Are we? That's what I'm saying. Is it unconsciously? Is that what we're doing? Because if Cody didn't have that drama and the actual, you know, he had real pain against Seth Rollins. Do you rate that match the same way? And you know that you know what's funny about that. I really enjoy the realism sure. in wrestling, but a lot of people don't care. They like to see kind of the movie kind of spots and the not selling, but I rate the realism really highly. And to me, it's like, yeah, I want, I want wrestling to resemble like, you know, a real struggle or a real fight or a real athletic event. Uh, but 
sometimes like the Cody, like the Cody thing, you know, maybe the expectation is, you know, maybe you don't have to be that realistic, yeah, right? Yeah. Maybe, you know, I don't know. It, no, it's a great discussion. I would love to hear folks uh, who are listening to this. And if you have an opinion, uh, GG at fightgamemedia.com, or if you're in the discord, uh, come through and, and let us know what you think. But Larry, this was, uh, I like the thought provoking arguments and I think that's perfect for podcast stuff. So, uh, really appreciate you and, and your thoughts on that. And, uh, I know you're, you're pretty, you're going to be pretty busy this summer with, uh, with your stuff. What's going on with you? Well, Big Brother is right around the corner. Um, we're getting ready. For what do we got, a month? Yeah, about a month. So we're doing some preseason podcasts over at Rob Has Podcast. Check us out. Um, they've been doing different rankings on uh, different past seasons, best winner, uh, doing drafts and things of that nature. Real fun, man. But Okay, how high, not- is our, how high is our girl Taylor ranking in these uh, past winners? Man, it's crazy. Taylor got – because what they're doing is they have four people on the panel, uh-huh. and, they, and then you get the draft – who you want as your, your on your team for the best winners of all time. And it's crazy. And, and it's like, it doesn't have to be, they were the best player. It's right. just, you want them on your team. And she went third. I was wow. stunned. I was stunned. But um, yeah, it's been fun, man. Um, a lot, not a lot on TV these days. The bear has been really good. Um, Going to be doing some podcasts on that pretty soon. But other than that, in slow motion, Um, football season gearing up, training can't stop for the Baltimore Ravens on the 14th. So, I'm getting ready for that. Back another year in, in Ravens, so it is what it is. <laughs> All right, man. Well, really appreciate you. Thanks to coming on the show and a uh, lot of things to think about. Like, I, I did think, like, am I as a wrestling fan? Do like, am I just expecting too much of these guys? That thought crossed my mind this weekend. So good, no, good, I, I, good conversation. I, it's so many more things we could dive into on that topic that I've ran through my mind over the years, but it just felt like to me when Shibata got hurt and then I, it really took me out of it a little bit. And when Dan, when Brian Danielson came back, it took me out of it a little yeah. bit. I was like, is this right? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, thanks Larry. And uh, now the, uh, the next segment is uh Myself and Jeremy Botter talking AEW Fight Forever. Jeremy Botter joins Fight Game Podcast Extra. Jeremy, the since we, we've talked last, I didn't expect the next time you would be on one of the shows that I do to be about a video game. AEW's Fight Forever, but here we are. I would have thought it would have been something, you know, John Jones related or or something like that. But uh, welcome back and thanks for doing this. And I'm really excited to talk about this video game, which seems to have taken a lot of uh, social media by storm. It's very, very polarizing right out of the gate. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I am kind of surprised that we're talking about a video game, but I've kind of really, I don't consider myself, it's been a long time since I considered myself an MMA fan. And since I've stopped covering it for several years now, I kind of only really watch the big pay-per-view. So I definitely would not be the person you want to talk to about that. But Yeah, but uh, who's, yeah. who's the bigger expert on John Jones than you? I mean, <laughs> oh God, I don't even know if I want to go there. Um, yeah, he. It's, yeah, we don't have to go there. It was an interesting time uh, covering that man and covering Conor McGregor, who yes. uh, was probably the worst person I ever had to deal with when covering the sport. But yeah, and the guys Both of those still guys, in the news for negative yeah. reasons. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, even if you don't, if if you get outside of that MMA bubble where you're watching, you know, you're reading all the news that happens every day. Um, 
you're still not surprised when you see John Jones has gotten in trouble or Conor McGregor has gotten in trouble. Uh, some things never change. So what is your history with wrestling video games specifically? Because this video game, I think in order for you to fully understand like the origin story of this video game, you got to go back like 25 years or even more. Yeah, I mean, I could go back, I don't know if it's 35 years, but uh, my, the first game that I ever really played that was pro wrestling-centric was pro wrestling for the Nintendo Entertainment yeah. System. Starman and all those others, my, my cousin and I played it. Um, you know, and it seemed at the did time... You ever, you, did you beat amazing. King Puma? No, I don't think I ever did. And actually, I tried a couple of years ago, and I still can't. I, that's <laughs> the thing about me and video games. Like, I'm not great at them. Uh, I, have fun, <laughs> I have fun playing them, but like nowhere close to being an expert. But I, I started with that, and then... I did not play another game really until I think it was uh, maybe it, I don't think it was No Mercy. Uh, it might have been WCW versus NWO and mm -hmm. a buddy of mine and I, he got it. And so we would have these uh, nights basically on the weekends where we would all get together and we'd play, you know, four players on those games, two players on those games. And uh, I think the last time that we ever actually did that was the night that Owen Hart died uh, in the wow. city. Yeah, we were playing and we stopped to watch the pay-per-view and – you know, I mean, I'm sure if you watched it at the time, you remember it was kind of weird. You didn't really know what was going on. Um, and then I read the news. I think I don't remember where I read it because Twitter obviously didn't exist. It was probably America Online, one of the chat rooms. Um, and once I found out that that was actually real, we just didn't really feel like playing pro wrestling again. <laughs> and we yeah. didn't. We never went back and played No Mercy, you know, WTW, NWO Revenge. Uh, but I, I really liked those games and they were great. But what really, really got me into playing wrestling video games was Fire Pro Wrestling, the series. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a sega dreamcast and i got it modified to where i could you know you kind of play old uh fire pro wrestling games and then i had a modified with a mod chip a super nintendo with a mod chip that let me play fire pro wrestling x and that game was really the one that got me into it and it's kind of set the standard for what i like in video games now because mm -hmm. it wasn't just a like it wasn't a fighting game it was a game if you haven't played the fire pro series it's a game where the ultimate goal is to work a match. You start off with, you know, strikes and light moves and move your way up. Because if you start off, if you start off a, a match and you try to go straight to your finisher, it's going to get reversed. And so to me, that was, you know, building up matches, working them the right way, you know, letting yourself get beat on to try to raise the rating of the match at the end. That's what really did it for me. And, uh, yeah. And I would say that, you know, fire pro wrestling world, which came out, I don't know, maybe six years ago for, playstation and pc is is my all-time favorite wrestling game but i was still really excited about fight forever because those old n64 games uh really they i mean they've got a you know a warm warm place in my heart uh as as they do for everybody who ever played them just because it was easy for anybody to pick them up and play you didn't have to put you know and in street fighter you have to know all these moves for the different yeah. people you didn't have to do that you could pick this up and you know in a reasonable amount of time, 10, 15, 20 minutes, you could be having good matches with, with your friends. And, and I really, that's what I really look forward to fight forever for. Wrestling games have been hit or miss historically. You talk about pro wrestling, which was fantastic. WW, uh, WWF had a WrestleMania game that came out after, and it sucked. It was just about, yeah. you know, having Bam Bam Bigelow do cartwheels and stuff. And so the depth wasn't there there was actually a really good nwa 
Nintendo game that was out and had all the Crockett characters. That was really fun. Graphics wise, it was a little, a little aged. And I know that they were, I think there's a second game that they had actually tried to, to bring out, but you know, probably it was probably too old by then, you know, people moved on to super Nintendo and, and Genesis, but you know, the arcade games, Russell fest and superstars, those were what WWF did the best. As far as the wrestling games, those coin op games, were really, really fun. And all of the folks like me were like, how come I can't get a home version of those games? Like, I would just play the heck out of it. Now, uh, you know, the, the, the technology on the home systems wasn't uh, up, to, up to speed at that point. But even going into the Super Nintendo, like they had the Royal Rumble game and, you know, you go up to the PlayStation. But these games for the N64, they peaked in the in the quality right as the time of the product is peaking in popularity so there's a nice crossover for gamers and actually pro wrestling getting super duper hot that i think is is part of everyone's memories like because you could talk to someone today who's around our age and they may not watch pro wrestling anymore but they will remember the attitude era and they will remember playing those video games at the same time yeah, and I, I was thinking, I, I should have mentioned WrestleFest, uh, you know, growing up, we weren't exactly rich. I would go and uh, stay weekends with my grandparents sometime and, and sucker uh, my grandma and grandma into taking me to the arcade. And that's really the only time I ever got to play WrestleFest. And so uh, because I couldn't, you know, my mom and dad were not going to let me drop 25 cents or 50 cents to, to yeah. play arcade games, uh, you know, because back then. They'd believe that video games rotted your mind, which they might have been right, but still. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so I, I never got to play it. And so WrestleFest kind of got this weird mythology in my head, like as this game, like it was the Holy Grail, because the graphics were, because it was an arcade machine, the graphics were so much better than what we could see at home. And yeah. I do remember that NWA game, and like it had that that camera angle like Fire Pro do, does, where like, the you know, the ring is kind of uh, askew, and you're looking at, I, I remember that game. I remember it not being very good. Um but Russell Fest, like you had these huge characters with awesome sprites and it looked great. Uh, and, and so because of that, it kind of, in my head, that was like the wrestling game growing yeah, up. Now the I play Grail. It, yeah, now I play it these days and I'm like, man, this is terrible. Um, this is a bad it's game. Very, it's, very very simpli- it's very simplistic and which was kind of yeah. the idea back then for arcade games. Like it was the NBA Jam of wrestling games. Like if you go back and play NBA Jam, I have uh, a little the, the they 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 have the machines out for, you know, pretty decent price these days. They're a little bit smaller. So I have an NBA Jam in my office and it's the same game that I played, you know, in high school, but at the same time, you know, it's a game that if my friends who don't play video games and will never play NBA 2K because of the the just the difficulty and kind of understanding how to play it, they know how to play NBA Jam, so that, yeah, let's let's get a game of NBA Jam going. It's very like a casual gamer type of game, and I sort of see WrestleFest in the same way. But that is not that's not necessarily only what Fight Forever is trying to do here. Uh, you've had the game for longer than than I have, and so you probably have a little bit more on it than than I do. I've only played. Uh, I started the career mode, and I played through the Casino Battle Royal, and I played through my first match, uh, and with one exception, which is I could not figure out how to target the correct opponent in the Casino Battle Royale, which I now understand is a setting that you have to adjust to be able to manually do that. My Casino Battle Royale experience was a lot of fun. It was time-consuming. It was like an hour of me just <laughs> like 
hitting paradigm shift after paradigm shift after paradigm shift. But it did give me a little bit of the feeling of those N64 games when it came to the fun and the taunts and trying to hit your finisher and trying to do, you know, uh, the the signatures. That, that stuff is very fun. But I can see people who like the WWE 2K game because of all of the things that you can do. They may look at this game and go, it's kind of child's play. Like, I'm into more stuff here with this 2K game. You've played both of them. What is your experience? Yeah, so 2K, as you've been, I mean, it's it's complicated, right? So this is a game that, you know, over 10, 10 years, they've been using the basic version of the engine now. And, and they're to be honest, they're, you know, I know a few years ago, they, you know, they canceled a launch because the game was just terrible. It's true. But when they came back last year, I could, I noticed immediate improvements. And then this year, I think, is one of the best wrestling games ever made there. It still has its problems, obviously, but it's one of the best wrestling games ever made, not because of the gameplay itself, because that gameplay is enormously complicated. I mean, I've been playing it for months now and I still don't really know how to do everything. I can do a lot of stuff, but like I'm constantly discovering uh, new things to do and weird button combinations you can press to do things. And that, so, but for WWE 2K series, that it kind of occupies a different space than fight forever does. Yes. Um, yes very much I, so. I'd say, yeah, I would say like it is complicated in the way that like, a, you know, the new modern Madden footballs or NBA 2K, which I love uh, compares to, you know, NBA jam or the old NBA live series on uh, super Nintendo, which was one of my favorite games. Ever. I think it was 96 NBA live 96. Um, it compares favorably to those because as games and systems have become more complicated and powerful, it has, become more complicated and powerful alongside it. Um, WWE, you know, I, I think that WWE, it's, it's a fantastic, I don't know that I would call it a simulation game uh, because a simulation game to me is like a football manager or, uh, you know, one of the, one of the text-based simulator games. Well, well I play uh, out of the park baseball, which is, yeah, I do too. I do too. And that's, which is absolutely fantastic. But at the same time, it's so heartbreaking. I will stop playing that game for months because I get knocked out uh, of the playoffs in the first round. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's enormously like every year brings a new version of that game or football manager. And I spend, you know, 20 or 30 hours setting up my team and get, you know, getting ready to go. And then I finish the season, you know, with a losing record. And it's, it's to me, that's a simulator game. I, I would not call WWE 2K simulator, but I will say it is a complex game that takes a while. The creation tools in, I mean, I spend more time, creating custom entrances because you can do an interest creating an entrance. Not only do you, you know, choose a movement or the music or the pyro, you can do it all at different times. Like you can set up, you know, a, a person to walk out with Andre the giant until he leaves the stage. And then he becomes, you know, the fiend, whatever, like you can really, really get very specific with those creation tools. You cannot do that in fight forever. And we can talk about that in a second, but to play fight forever. What I did is because to me, this game has been sold on arcade, easy to pick up and play. So I, when I started it up, I did not look. I, I did not look at the tutorial. I didn't read any guides or anything. What I did was go, okay, let's see how much I remember of No Mercy in those games yeah. and how much it applies here. And honestly, dude, it was pretty, it was pretty remarkable how quickly I was picking it up and playing it. Yeah, I agree, and that that's that's a a real feather in their cap. Now you know how I'm seeing. And I, I wonder if this was the intention. People our age who played all those games, the, the immediate thing that they did was go, hey, I have a kid, and I want to play with my kid. 
and uh, a few people in the in the in the discourse that is exactly how they started playing which is they you know created the game or they they started up the game and immediately went to the tag team mode so they could play with their kid together so it's like this great experience of adult kind of living as a kid again through this video game playing alongside their kid which i get because uh, my main reason for playing NBA 2K is so that I can play with uh, my son and his buddies. Um, and w- what he doesn't know, though, see, the, the trick here, he doesn't understand that, you know, no one talks on the phone these days. So it's kind of like my opportunity to get him on the phone. So we're on the headsets and just chit-chatting about stuff. Uh, he doesn't he doesn't know that part of my my, my strategy there. But um, that's that's actually a great experience, I think, for this game. And I wonder if that was kind of the part of the idea the leaning into it because it's not necessarily aew the product you can't really target it towards kids because it is uh, absolutely more violent and and bloody than than wwe and i know they have the blood in the game and you can turn it off and all that stuff but um i do wonder if that was part of their strategy Do, do you know if if they kind of looked at it that way it sure seems like it. Um, it's interesting. So my godson, uh, we got him into AEW and uh, took him to he, – he they live in Alaska, and they came down, and we took him to go um, to the AEW Dynamite event in Houston last year. And, you know, we took him, went to the hotel, uh, met up with Adam Cole, who I've been fortunate enough to know for a long time, one of the nicest guys in wrestling, uh, because my godson, that's his favorite wrestler is Adam Cole. Uh, and – you know, he he met the guys, had a great time at the event, you know, started watching AEW. And then within a few weeks, his mom kind of realized that John Moxley bleeds every single week. And <laughs> that kind of became like, she asked, she's like, is, is he going to do this all the time? I'm like, yeah, pro- probably, probably so. That's kind of his thing. Um, and so she kind of had to monitor, uh, you know, DVR the show and let him watch it later after she's made sure that John Moxley's not going to bleed everywhere or that, yeah. you know, Wardlow's going to get whipped or anything like that, um, which was, you know, pretty traumatic, but he saw it. So I, th- I think that I feel like the video game is, I mean, blood is on by default, but you can turn it off. And there are, uh, you know, different accessibility tools for parents on the game that that make it an okay uh a game for kids to play i still think that they should probably have a way to limit the weapons matches and you know the death matches and all that stuff yeah uh, because that gets pretty i mean you know they're i i, I played earlier and i got hit in the uh, with the head by a football helmet by mjf and i was like <laughs> what is happening um <laughs> and so they really leaned you know there's sometimes where i watch dynamite and i'm like guys we don't need a barbed wire baseball bat we don't need thumbtacks in the shoes all the time like and but they do it anyway, and they've kind of leaned into that in the in the video game. Thankfully, you can turn off the blood to make it better for kids to play. But I do believe it is easy. I mean, I think that anybody could pick it up uh, and within ten or fifteen minutes, at least be having fun. They may not know how to do everything, but it's really really easy to figure out. The, yeah, the controls are simplistic. Whereas you know WWE, you've got you know a hundred different characters, and some of them have different moves, and uh, it's a whole lot harder. It's not accessible from a you know for a for a fan who just wants to maybe play for five or 10 minutes, but I think fight forever is. And the gameplay on fight forever, man, I think, I think for all the lack, for all the tools that are lacking in the creative suite, uh, the gameplay itself, the actual wrestling is really fun. I, albeit, I do believe it is too short. Uh, you get rewarded for having the shorter, the shorter the match is, the, the more reward you get. The higher Yeah. There's a quality yeah. score to your match. Now, how does the quality score even play into your character? I, I haven't, I've only had one match outside of the Casino Battle Royal, and I beat Dustin Rhodes in uh, two and a half minutes. I hit uh, 
two signatures and a finish. And I got some, I got a score for winning quickly. And for, I think I got like a B for moves, but I got a C for quality. It's like, what the heck? Yeah. It's a little bit weird. Um, because I mean, I, I, you know, when I first started, I was like, I was started road to elite. I was trying to play, like have good matches, have good long matches, like yeah, 10, 15 yeah, yeah. minutes. And I would get like a F for my <laughs> rating. And I'm like, what is happening here? And then, so I started a times I started, I put it on easy and I squashed a few people in a row, like two minutes or less. And it was an A plus for my wow. reading. And I'm like, wait, this is, you know, and, and it's way this too This isn't the get... Dave Meltzer scale of no, no, no. six this stars is... for Omega and uh, Osprey too. Yeah. And it's weird that Kenny Omega was such a driving force behind this game because I, I don't, you know, I know they want the arcade feel, but like, Pro wrestling fans don't want to go in there and have two matches where you're hitting your finisher within 45 seconds, which is possible. Um, that's not what they want. That's not what I want. Uh, so that's that's one area that I think the gameplay is lacking. But just in terms of the tactical, like, grappling, striking, it's really well done. It's really a good base. Uh, they've got a really nice base to build on in the future. Now, with video games these days, and especially sports video games, for me, the replayability is pretty huge. And a lot of the games, they kind of trick you, not trick you, but they, the way that they get you to continue playing is they give you different modes uh, in uh, the show, MLB The Show. It's the uh, it's the DD mode. So you're just basically trying to gain as many possible cards as you can to build up your team for online play. And you have programs with, you know, all these things you can do. And when you hit the end of the program, they even give you more just in case. And so there's a reason to keep playing. If you are in, if, if that is your personality, like you got to complete everything. That is what they do for NBA 2K. For instance, it's, you know, making your, getting your player up to 99 so that when you do play online, you're the best of your, of your, of your guy possible. And then in, uh, but on the flip side, uh, I also have PGA tour, which is a 2K game. And, I don't play it that often. I haven't played it too much because the reason to turn it back on just isn't there for me. So it's like, oh, do I want to play 18 holes, which takes about 45 minutes? And, you know, I'm not that good yet. So I'm probably shoot six or seven over par. And then I'm going to feel deflated for shooting six or seven over par. So eh, I'm just not going to, I'm just going to spend time doing one of these other two games. Now in Fight Forever, I do notice that they have like daily and weekly challenges and you get money for that to buy future stuff. I know there's going to be lots of DLC content, which if you bought the elite version, I think you just automatically get a lot of that stuff. Um, so what about the replayability factor do you see with this game? It, does it have enough to keep people turning this game on every day or do you think it's a little light in that? No, yeah, as it stands right now, no, there's not enough to keep people coming back in the long term. You know, right now, it, it's a brand new game, and so people are still experimenting. Um, I've done several Road to Elite. Yeah, I did one with Kenny Omega and one with my custom character uh, just to see if I would find any different storylines and stuff, and, and they were exactly the same. Mm. Um, but that's also because I've yet to win the initial casino battle. <laughs> well, match. And also, the casino battle, you know, when it does the card draw at the beginning, so yeah. you can determine your spot, it's, I'm always number two. Yeah, yeah. Time. I just um, assume that it's, you know, it's just like this blind eliminator tournament that Tony Khan is doing where it's supposed to be like this random draw. Oh, yeah. 
Adam Page and MJF are teaming, and so are Swerve and Keith Lee. Like, okay, random draw. You're you're giving us two all the time. Come on. Yeah, it's it's two every time. And like, I get excited. I'm like, man, this is like the Royal Rumble. Man, I'll get a random number. Nope, number two every time. Um, <laughs> and you mentioned PJ Two or Two K. I I don't know if you've played the new EA Sports PJ. I have not, but I heard it's okay. better. It's way better, but I will. I can. I can compare it to uh, Fight Forever because the golf game itself, like the act of actually hitting the ball and playing the course, is fantastic. Light years beyond 2K. I, I actually delete. I had bought. I purchased the new 2K uh, PGA Tour 2K 2K game, and I, I deleted it as soon as the EA Sports game came out because I'm not going to play it anymore. Yeah. The EA yeah. version is is the physics are awesome. It looks like real golf. It's challenging, uh, but outside of the gameplay itself there's not a lot to do yeah. they have a shop that updates some items every day and blah blah and there's challenges that you can do you know weekly challenges daily challenges monthly challenges but once you hit those there's not really a lot to do but i i, I think that that game is basically the foundation for what their golf games es sports golf games are going to be going into the future and that's how i view fight forever there's some different match types that are really fun i mean the the exploding barbed wire death match is really fun. Uh, it, it's very tense. It only lasts about three minutes because that's when the explosion goes off. Or actually, I think it's 90 seconds is when the explosion goes off. So it doesn't last long. But what you have there when you are playing the game is really fun. Um, and so I think that, you know, I, I, I don't know if, how intentional it is. I know a lot of people are upset that, you know, the creative suite is very lacking. There's not many options. Uh, that is you know, very it, it, surprising, by the way, too, because. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. the, the the original idea of AEW was like just, you know, inclusive, every kind of wrestling you want to want on here. Like, you know, and, and so to have seven random, you know, random cr- created, uh, what do you call them, skins or whatever, that, that was kind of surprising. I'm surprised yeah. that they let the game release like that. Yeah, it's it's not great, and I I think their intention, and they have not communicated, they have not communicated this very well. I think their intention is for this to operate like a games as a service kind of thing, where, you know, the next two or three years they're continually continuously updating it. There is one I haven't seen a lot of discussion about it, but there is a mode coming out for Stadium Stampede that is going to be up to thirty wrestlers online at one time. Uh, you know, with the kind of like in Fortnite where you're in a circle and it right. shrinks and everybody has to move in there. So that is going to be coming out. I don't know when. And I think that that is where they're really going to make, uh, you know, they're going to make some money because they're, you know, they're not going to, you're not going to be able to buy uh, the ability to be better stats wise, but you'll be able to customize your wrestler. And a lot of people will go for that as we've seen in other games. Um, and I think that's their intention, but for everybody like me who just wants to, you know, run like a universe type thing, you know, right. where you're running your right. own promotion and changing your belts and all that stuff. Like WWE 2K, you can do, you can even customize the side plates, the little circles that they put on the belt. You know, you can do your own custom side plates and belts and t-shirts and everything. You can change the wrestler's outfits. Like you can change the colors. Uh, you know, if, if you go in there and like Seamus, you want to make him wearing, you want to put orange shorts on it. You can do that. <laughs> and this, you cannot do that. The only yeah. thing that you can do in fight forever in terms of apparel is, add a t-shirt for yeah. a city that you've been to. Yeah, and exactly. I think that is the, I think that is the dumbest thing that I've ever seen in my It was pretty life. lame. Um, I was like, why yeah, do I want to put this t-shirt on my guy? It's a lame t-shirt. Yeah, that's all you can do, you know? And there are some more options when you're creating your own custom character, but like people are going to want to be able, you know, if Kenny Omega comes out with a new jacket or they're going to want to be able to make that. Yeah. And that's what 2K3 has done. And so I think it's, uh, I do believe 
and talking to some of the developers and stuff over the past uh, month or so, I do believe that they have the intention of coming out with that stuff. But like, man, the game took three whatever years to develop anyway. They I know. should have put it off until some of that stuff was was ready to go. And I'm I'm just hopeful that they'll retain some of the people who purchased it early, like us, uh, so that they can roll that stuff out later on. But like some of those people like us who purchased it on day one might be gone by the end of day, you know, week one, because there's just so little to do. Yeah. And that was my, that was my worry when they came out and, you know, I've even had the chance to talk to Kenny Omega about this game and, you know, he didn't want to give too many details, but I think he understands kind of the things that we were, we're just talking about right now. Like how do you keep people playing uh, you know, the single player mode is, is so important, I think, in, in replayability. And if you don't have that, then people are just going to forget it. And if you know how the PS5 works, you have the little tiles of the games and it shows the ones that you've opened up recently. And sometimes you even forget that you have games on your system because they're so far down the list that you haven't opened them in, in, in uh, months and then you're just like, oh, yeah, I, I do have that game. So yeah. I think, you know, hopefully, you know, because the idea is to not release the new software copy every year like WWE 2K is going to do. Uh, and instead, keep this version of the game and then update it and fine tune it. At least I hope uh, to continue to do that. DLC, like you said, Stadium Stampede, um, other modes of things uh, other other matches, other characters. Hopefully, we'll, we'll get a, a, a nice, uh, you know, maybe monthly because you, you know, if you target it monthly from a marketing perspective, and and you can be consistent with that month, that will be the way to get people to turn on the game at least once a month is to see what's new that's out. And if you can do it every two weeks, even better. The the show does it about every week. So there's a new program or a new thing or a new mode or new cards, and they're constantly reminding you that stuff is coming out. So I think that would be very helpful to get people to remember to keep turning the game in. But at the end of the day, I think, as far as I'm concerned at least, what's going to keep me playing the game is if I feel like there are new things to conquer and this, you're telling me that this uh, career mode is is sort of a little simplistic, and you've already beat it twice. Well, I'll beat it once. I'm probably not going to go back again unless there's something different. So, do you think there's going to be anything else that they're going to be able to add to the game to make people feel like, oh, I have more to do, and thus I'm going to keep playing? Yeah, I mean, I know that there are different branches and paths you can take in the road to elite mode. Uh, but, you know, in order to see them, apparently you have to win that first casino battle royal. If okay. you lose it. So, so maybe there is. A, this, yeah. Yeah. Maybe there is a choose your own path here if you could actually win that match. Yeah. Then there is because, I, you know, I've seen some people talk about you get involved in the storyline between the pinnacle and the inner circle, uh, even though neither one of them exists anymore. Um, you get involved in <laughs> in that. But I just haven't gotten to that point and uh, you know i don't know how to i mean winning the casino battle royal would help um but i don't know how many branches there are and i think it's probably still minimal um and the, but the problem is like if you're if you're like me and you play the road to elite you know let's say three four or five times and the first couple of branches are the exact same every time yeah you're not going to keep going because like right. who wants to i don't want to experience the same storyline if there was a way to know that you get different storylines uh it would be interesting but and the problem with that is like once somebody stops playing because there's not enough content, 
the, the game could fall prey to, I've got to delete this to clear up space for X game yes. on my hard which is how I am. I mean, I've got one terabyte on my hard drive and like, there are times where I have to delete stuff if I want to play something else. Yes. And the problem is that once you've deleted it, then that game, even the updates, no matter what they do, you know, unless you're involved in some kind of community for the game, it's kind of pushed from your mind because it's not going to auto update on your machine. You're not going to go, oh, wait, they've added something. Let me go check out, see what it is. Um, and they're in real danger of doing that if they don't, you know, update quickly. Um, I, I don't know what the schedule is for updates, I, I, but I think it's absolutely imperative they do. And I mean, I'm, not, I'm actually shocked that they did not launch with some kind of card. I mean, the, the card type game or tar, mm -hmm. card type um functionality is like the most in any sports game you play you know basically anything you play these days is going to have that because yep. it is a money it is a revenue generator for the company so i'm kind of shocked that they didn't launch with at least some version of that where you can collect cards and you know play your friends and blah, you know build your decks that that kind of stuff keeps people coming back and it they just yep. don't have that so where is the replayability i and i'm not where as of right now i'm not sure it exists all right, well, let's end this. I want you to give a score based off of your expectation of now. You've had the game for a little while, so if you can think back to before you actually got to play it versus what it is so far, because for me, I'm not that deep into it, but I would give it a solid B just for the fun of it. Now, that may wane as I play it longer and you know get much better at it, uh, but... I, I think it's a solid B, which I was a little worried that I wasn't even going to see it as that high when I started seeing, you know, videos of, of the game and stuff. But I would say I, I was impressed at how easy it was to pick up and how reminiscent it was of games that I have great joy of from, you know, 25 years ago. Uh, so, you know, it kind of did take me back to my days of working at Blockbuster. And once we shut down the shop, we would go from midnight to 2 a.m. We're just playing four people like yeah. those days, like that. those days are fun memories. And so I it kind of rekindled that for me. Um, but yeah, so I would say it was, it was my, based on my expectation. I think it's a solid B in the early stages of me playing it. What about you? Yeah, I mean, it's funny that you mentioned Blockbuster employees because... I worked at Blockbuster also, and we played No Mercy and those yes. games after work. I, I think to be a worker at Blockbuster in that time is it's kind of what you had to do. Because um, <laughs> I, I know so many people like that, and you know, kind of still makes me sad that Blockbuster's gone. But I um, know it is. You know, if I go back to my expectations, let's take my expectations back to when they announced it and told us what it was going to be. It was going to be reminiscent of No No Mercy, easy to pick up and play. My expectations back then, if I compared. If I gave it a rating compared, you know, comparing now to my original expectations, I would say probably a D, uh, maybe an F. Oh, wow. Wow. But that's, you know, but as time went on from the initial announcement to then they started to limit our expectations and tell us what we could expect. I mean, I would say my expectations, you know, right before release compared to now, I would say a B. Um, I'm disappointed that the creative suite is so thin the entrances are another like that. I think I hate that more than anything in the game. They're like six, seven seconds. You can control your pyro and camera angles, but like it's only six or seven seconds. You don't really have time to do much. And uh, entrances are such a huge part of wrestling, wrestling presentation, such a huge part. Uh, and because that stuff is so limited, you know, you, Cody Rhodes comes out to his song, but it's only five or six seconds. And right. You know, just as you get into like, is, is it at least the whoa part? 
no no it's like it's literally just the guitar part at the beginning like that's all it is and so you you know you can it's cool because you can do you know control the different pyros you can do smoke you can do you know fireworks coming down from the ceiling but like you you do it and then immediately it's over and the guy's in the ring um i think that is really unfortunate i mean even no mercy had longer entrances and that was what 25 years ago um so that's my biggest disappointment but if they over time as i believe they're going to do if they upgrade that creative suite you know extend some of those tools make updates to everything um i think going on this game has a chance to become an a or an a plus that is remembered 15 20 years from now you know fondly by wrestling fans but if they don't do that i'm not sure that anybody i I think a lot of people are going to feel burned and may never give it another shot again by the way, um, you know, you say you talked to some of the developers. Do you know if the plan at some point, whether it's two years down the line, or maybe maybe they just go, whoops, this is not good enough. We're going to have to just scrap our original plan. Do you know if the idea is to do like a fight forever too, or if the idea is to, you know, we, we need to just kind of have a different idea for, for what another AEW game could be? Uh, because I, I would be interested if, in if because uh, back in the day, you know, they were just trying to make money off of these licenses. So you would see like these different ECW games and you're like, this is the same game over again. They just yeah. added like a different background and you could fight around the arena or whatever. But in this in this sense, they, they made a choice to be arcadey and to have the graphics the way that they are. There is an opportunity on the other side to go heavier simulation and to do more like WWE 2K. But if it took them so long to make this game, I can't imagine how long it would take them to make another game that is a little bit different. Yeah, I, I, I believe, um, and you know, folks at the studio and publisher aren't going to come right out and say, you know, yeah, we're going to make a second game. But I believe the hope is that they are able to continuously update and upgrade this one and provide more stuff for fans and, you know, early buyers over time, and then hope that the sales have been good enough over this long period of time after, you know, not just day one, but over the next two years, how many people are going to go back when it goes on sale for 20, 30 bucks, how many people are going to buy it after they see, you know, DLC come out. Um, Their intention right now, from what I understand is to service it for a couple of years and then, hopefully get the chance to make a sequel. Um, but right now the focus is solely on updating this one, getting this to where it more closely matches the vision of, you know, the folks that uh, created it. Game industry changes very quickly. I'd be a little worried about pushing any ideas, you know, two years out and, and then trying to decide from there. But, you know, I'm sure yeah. they have a plan and, you know, they, they have ideas and stuff, but yeah. Uh, I, I will keep playing it. You know, I know in our discord, a lot of people are enjoying it and we're going to figure out how to get some private parties going and, and getting people on. And like you said, if that stadium stampede game, uh, uh, little, uh, feature comes out, I think that will, that will be fun for people who do like to get online and, and have like these little private party things. So that, that could be something. Uh, Oh, one last question. I should have asked you this before. Have you tried the online ranked thing? No, I have not. Generally speaking, I don't really play with strangers online just because strangers are usually idiots in my <laughs> uh, in my experience. Um, but you know, like if you, I, I would jump on and play you. I'd jump on and play my friends. Um, but yeah. I've not, I've not tried the rank stuff yet. I, I, I just, just wonder if you get. Do you get anything by being highly ranked? And you know, like, do you like what? What do you achieve by being highly ranked? That's kind of, you know, what I would wonder too. Because at least in the show, 
like you, I don't like playing against strangers because often what happens is they'll quit if things aren't going well for them, which I just played two games of the show uh, in, in a ranked uh, mode and got to the second and third inning of nine inning games and was winning like one to nothing and they quit. So you don't even get to finish the game and you don't get to add, you know, create stats and add to your guys. And so you get a little bit of thing, but I wonder if the, cause you know, playing a, a five minute wrestling match, I would guess that, you know, there's, there's going to be less quitting cause it's, it's, it's a small chunk of time, but do you get anything from the rankings, which, I think is necessary in games these days, or is it just about, Oh, I get to see my win and loss record, which I think would be not so great. Right. Yeah. And I don't know for sure, but I don't believe as it stands right now, you get anything now as they expand, you know, they might be giving, you know, custom shirts or custom trunks or, you know, stuff like that. Um, but as of right now, I don't believe you get much, but yeah, like I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I'll play the show. I played the show online and every time I've, or I used to play, you know, every single UFC game. Yeah. Um, I've tried to play them against people and then, you know, they quit right before the bell. And like, so, and what sucked about those is, you know, not only do they get their reputation, their player reputation ding, but you do too, even though you didn't do anything wrong. And so after that, I just got frustrated. I'm like, I'd, I'd much <laughs> rather play the AI, much rather play yeah. the computer. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I'm not really entirely sure, but like, yeah, from what I've seen of this, the stadium stampede, it's going to be wild. Um, it looks absolutely crazy. Like I, I've seen, you know, a couple of clips of Chris Jericho throwing Darby Allen down the step from like the second floor up <laughs> down the stairs. Um, I think that's going to be a blast. And I don't understand why they haven't talked about it yet, but it is going to be great. All right, man. I appreciate you coming on and talking and we'll have to do this uh, more often because I really enjoy talking to you. And again, who would have known it was AEW fight forever, but thanks Jeremy Barr. Hey, by the way, are you doing, you know, what is your relationship to, uh, to pro wrestling these days? I know you haven't been uh, updating the sub stack and, and such, but uh, you know, what, what, what are, are anything in, in the hopper for you is relating to pro wrestling or MMA? Uh, no, not really. I, I'm kind of just in full fan mode. I've got a full-time job that is, you know, sports gambling, but not at all related to pro wrestling or MMA. And so I've kind of just am enjoying the time away and being a fan again. Uh, I watch AEW every week. I, never watch rampage uh i've i've watched collision which i suspect will probably stop here soon because i can't really do devote three nights of the week to wrestling without getting in trouble for my wife by my wife so um <laughs> I, yeah i i would say man i'm just a fan now occasionally i will be i i still have some freelance uh, feelers out there to do some freelance work for some different outlets but uh it's got to be really interesting and i'm kind of for me to do it uh just because i spent so many years writing so many words and so much of my life was devoted yeah. to, to combat sports. It's kind of fun to just sit back and, and watch it happen. Now I don't even, I'm not even as active on social media as I used to be. And it, it's, it's much more enjoyable, much better for my, for my brain. Um, yeah. yeah, I love, you know, and I, I consume, I listen to gear, your show with Dave is my favorite show on, you know, wrestling com, And I really enjoy the, the stuff you guys do you and um, Andrew. And I mm -hmm. just I'm trying to think, No, that's about it. That's about all I watch. I used to listen to some regular stuff, but most, you, you know, I used to listen to Wrestling Observer Live, but I've got a little bit of time every week. Uh, yeah. And so I want to listen to the stuff that I really enjoy, and that's you guys. So. Oh, thank you. Really appreciate it. And, you know, Jeremy says he's not really on Twitter as much, but at Jeremy Botter, in case you do want to follow him. But, Jeremy, thank you very much for doing this. Uh, when you hit me up and said, hey, have you played the new game yet? I was like, oh, here's a possible 
segment for a podcast waiting to happen. But yeah, uh, man, really, fun. I I appreciate it too. Yeah, thanks to Jeremy Botter, uh, and uh, yeah, check him out at Jeremy Botter on Twitter.